another episode of Healthy Neighborhoods, Healthy Nation. We're your hosts, Melanie Sona and Erin Leadka. And today it's just us. <laughs> um, we are done with our political determinants of health season. Kind of crazy. Mm-hmm, indeed. And I mean, that was a good, that was a long one. We had a lot of incredible people. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's our longest season, right? I mean, so far, yeah. Um, but there was a lot to cover. And so a lot of niche expertise that was needed to fill in the gaps for such a broad, you know, um, topic. So we could have gone on forever. We could and run this season for, for as long as uh, as long as people will will interview with us. So it was it was a pretty um, I mean, I hope that you all really enjoyed who we had the opportunity to hear from. Um, and we're excited to kind of talk about our takeaways and things that we were thinking about with this episode. So do you want to start us off, Melanie, by, you know, I think this season's a little more tricky than our last season to do this, but if you could sum up the entire season in one word, what would you, I know that's a, that's a, that's a very uh, difficult task with how many people we talked to. Yeah. What would you, what word would you use? Mm, I think I'd probably use complex for lack of any other word. Um, you know, just thinking back and reflecting on how many people we had and how all of these guests came from different you know, sectors within the policy decision-making side of uh, health, I think it's very clear that um, the political determinants of health is like a very like involved, um, you know, it's a very involved thing. Like it requires people not only on the front of like in making policy, writing policy and enacting policy, but also people on the ground who are working with community members to hear what their needs are. Um, and then liaisons between the community members and the policymakers. And then even, you know, um, other intermediaries in between all of those chains. So, I mean, I think I've gained a lot more of appreciation of just how, like, just how many you know, how many people are needed to make policy come into place to make sure that policy is working the way that it should. Like, I guess even just um, from talking to Peggy Shepard, hearing like all of the work that really goes into, you know, educating policymakers, like what in the initiative they did through um, Justice Forward, um, you know, bringing in policymakers into communities and showing them what are the needs there and ensuring that they're really informed about how they're making decisions that impact their communities. Like, it just seems like such an extensive process. So there's so much that goes into policymaking and a lot of exciting things that go into it. I think for me personally, um, uh, more so on the side of being able to be on the ground, the grassroots efforts to just to know what's going on in, in communities and, and then problem solving. <laughs> yeah, it is very complex because you're working with people from different walks of life and it requires a lot of different skill sets, I think, outside of just, you know, 
knowing how to legislate. I guess when I think of when I thought of political determinants of health before we did this season, I mean, I was very much so just thinking like the people who sit in like the Senate or the House and are voting on different bills or, um, you know, debating on on different policies in that regard. But I think I've learned in the course of this season that it's a lot more than that. I mean, the political determinants of health are rooted, most definitely rooted in, um, you know, what are the rights of people living in different areas and how do we ensure that those are protected and that, um, you know, they're given the opportunity to voice their needs as well. So, yeah, I mean, I guess all of that is just to say that it is really, really complicated and requires a lot, it has a lot of moving parts to make policies work. Just like neighborhoods, too. I think it's really easy to want things not to be complex, and neighborhoods can be one of those things where there's a lot of different factors, a lot of things going on, and you can't really get at the root of what's going on unless you acknowledge that it's um, complex and there's a lot of different factors and there's not just one thing that impacts one other thing. There's like a myriad of different things that's impacting, you know, the health outcome or the experience of an individual. That's a, that's a really awesome word choice, Melanie. I think that is, <laughs> ironically, it is simple <laughs> despite what the word is being used to describe. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, what word would you use? Um, I mean, honestly, I would use complex, um, but we're going to be creative and the creativity is going to take me outside of the one word constraint. It kind of actually goes off of what you had mentioned with like the, um, you know, political determinants of health also being impacted by people that are outside some of these major governing bodies. Um, but that is like, you know, the power of the people, which is a little, I mean, that's like four words four words. Um, but I think that it is really, that's my biggest takeaway is that, um, first of all, voting. Um, if you all missed our neighborhood news segment, it was all about voting. Please register to go vote. Even if you didn't, if you missed that last election, please go register to vote. And actually, um, these, the like local elections and stuff, it seems like those are the places where in your community there's people and policies that are on the ballot that directly impact your neighborhoods. Now, of course, like at higher levels, you know, in these general elections and all of that kind of stuff where you're voting for legislation for the whole state or legislation for, um, you know, or, or representatives for the whole country, that is obviously really impactful and really important. Um, but some of these elections that are quote unquote, like off season, less, you know, less people know that they're going on. Those elections are the elections where things are happening in your community. Council members are being elected. Mayors are being elected. Propositions are being passed. And those are things that directly impact your neighborhood. And so I think the, like Peggy Shepard was saying, you know, you can do all of this grassroots organizing and all of this work within the community and with community members. But if you don't have the right political moment, aka people in power or people voting to, you know, pass whatever policy you're working towards, it, it kind of becomes irrelevant. So I know that it can really feel like your voice doesn't matter or, oh, it's just like one vote, but it really does. And also that encourages you to be engaged. That's my, my little plug. Um, but the other thing was just that 
you know, there's a lot of, like you mentioned, there's a lot of organizations that are doing really good work to engage with people about the policies that are impacting their community. And it doesn't, I think it can be really, it can feel really intimidating to be like, oh, I'm going to, you know, want to change this policy that's at the state level or, oh, there's something going on in my community. I don't even know how to bring this up with like a legislative body at all. Like how am I, you know, testifying on a bill? Like what is that? What is going on? But a lot of these organizations are making it possible for people to have those experiences and engaging people in providing them the tools to advocate for themselves, which is so cool because being able to advocate for yourself and your community is um, really important. So I think that I know that's cheating, it's like technically the phrase that I would use to describe this season. I think um, we'll permit it. I think that <laughs> was a allow very it good answer. So <laughs> we'll have to that see if our listeners will allow it. <laughs> well, yeah, no, that was a very good answer, Erin. So we'll allow for the bending of rules for that phrase. I think power to the people is a really good way to, to summarize um, when the political determinants are put in place and when it's done right, that, it really gives people agency to have control over their lives and um, have the the opportunity to make decisions for their environment and um, lifestyle habits that encourage healthy behaviors. So, yes, I definitely agree with that. But I have a question for you. So which episode would you say challenged your perspective the most and how do you think it's influenced your thinking since then? Wow. That's a really good question. I think that there's a lot of, I mean, again, we had such a good season, so many cool people. Um, So that's a a challenging question to answer. I think the first thing that pops into my mind is our episode with Dr. Mindy Fullove and all of her work on root shock and just how deep root shock can go. And I think it was, it was so cool because we were building on some of the concepts that um, Dr. Lawrence Brown talked about in our first season with people being displaced from communities and, um, you know, all of the negative and long-term effects that that has. And then root shock takes on this whole, it takes on this global perspective um, while looking at the nuance of the community level. And I think, to be honest, when she was talking about, um, you know, how root shock and the concept of root shock and how climate change plays into root shock, I was really, um, that really surprised me. And I had not thought about that at all. And this idea that this thing that is going to be, is affecting and is going to continue to affect every single person on this earth is causing people to be displaced. It's causing people to lose their neighborhoods and their environments that they grew up in or that they, um, you know, claim as their own um, and kind of the effect that that's maybe having as on, on the people in power, um, but also on individuals that make up communities. And I just hadn't thought about how extensive those effects would be. And it's just add another thing to the list about how climate change is impacting us and it's impacting our neighborhoods. So that was pretty, I I was like really blown away by those connections. And then when she was talking about how, you know, given the, the, you know, understanding of root shock and how it affects individuals, how that may allow us to have empathy for people 
who are in positions of power that are making decisions that we can't understand or don't agree with or are really frustrated by, which is something that is a very, Melanie knows, this is a very common theme for me, I would say. Um, So I think it was a really, it was a very interesting way of framing that, but then also like bringing it back to empathy and how important empathy is in trying to make progress and move forward and make neighborhoods better for everyone. So that, that was, that was my kind of major, I don't know, shift where I was like, Oh, I'm going to think about this one for a while. Although, I mean, to be honest, think about all of our guests after interviewing them long, long time after interviewing them. And it was so cool to go back and edit the episodes. Cause I think Melanie and I have mentioned before that, you know, when you're in the interview and you're asking these questions, it can be easy to forget like everything that was said. So we're, um, it was really cool to go back and edit some of those episodes. Was there a particular episode that you had in mind, Melanie, that maybe had the same effect of, wow, like this is changing how I thought about things? Yeah. I mean, I don't mean to be a copycat or anything, but I think I definitely agree with what you had to say about Dr. Fully Love's episode because um, just the way in which she was able to describe the impacts of food shock, like you said, I mean, it's something we were introduced to in the neighborhood season um, in the displacement and urban renewal of specifically Black communities. But I don't know, just the way she described it. And I guess also just looking at that phenomenon from a psychological lens is really interesting, too, um, because I know she she described it as like adding texture to the to this yeah. issue that we're observing where people are being routinely displaced. And I think it, it adds a little bit of dimension to understanding like just how far, like, I mean, everything you said, like how far reaching, you know, being like removed from your emotional um, community environment goes. And yeah. And I think it was just really humbling to hear that putting it in a broader context of the impacts of climate change on um, you know, all of everybody, because it's something that everybody's subjected to, and how that's contributing to a lot of like maybe the brash decision making we see in the policy sector was really interesting because I don't think I, I think I definitely prior to hearing her put it in that frame would have maybe attributed a lot of the blame to the policymakers and not you know, caring to be educated about the communities that they, they govern or just, you know, failing to do their duty in making laws that are equitable and um, and just. But I guess putting it in that perspective that everybody's going through a really hard time right now and experiencing a sense of root shock because our our ambient environment is drastically changing and, you know, we don't really know how to cope with this because this is a new um, a new thing that everybody's kind of going through all together and we see it manifesting in, you know, all of this discord and injustice is, is really fascinating. And perhaps, you know, that what she said got me thinking, like perhaps if we're having discussions more so like in terms of, you know, how to help people cope in, in all different sectors from the community level up, like how do we cope with you know, the state that our world's in after in light of a pandemic and all of that um, in light of climate change, maybe that would be 
one path to achieving, um, you know, what we really, the change we really want to see in the policy side of things to um, make sure we're advocating for, you know, healthy communities and healthy environments for everybody. So I, I, I definitely agree with you. I think that Dr. Folilo's perspectives were just really, really interesting um, and an interesting cross-section into policymaking. Because, I mean, I guess policymaking is definitely, like, there's a psychological, sociological component to it that I get most people don't really consider. I didn't consider. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, I mean, I think we... We, definitely there were undertones of like the psychological component of making policy um, throughout in all the conversations, like in Peggy Shepard's episode. I mean, the Justice Forward initiative is kind of doing that. It's getting policymakers to like understand and empathize um, and relate to the communities that they they're governing. And I mean, that plays a huge role in being able to make, you know, uh, relevant and sound policies that will improve and uplift communities instead of tearing them down. Um, and you would have no way of being able to do that if you didn't have the needed exposure and understanding. So, yeah, I think there's, like you said, there's definitely like, you know, more empathy needed in conversations surrounding policymaking that isn't there. And I honestly just would not even think to, to, it's hard have that in a conversation or you know have that be a part of a conversation having to do with policy of it's all really things challenging <laughs> especially when it's when things when policy is directly affecting you and your quality of life i think it's really hard to have them but it's important it's clearly very important that was definitely a strong a strong message we also saw that with the naacp um abray like outlined a lot of the efforts that she's doing to bring constituents and community members in front of policymakers so that they can hear their experience directly from them. So that was really awesome. Something that was truly mind-blowing for me was talking to Kyleen Hashim from uh, Choice Neighborhoods because I had, to be honest, they, I didn't really know about Choice Neighborhoods before we were doing research for this season. I had no idea what they are about. They have like a couple of web pages online. And they have a bunch of like kind of hard to read federal documents on their webpage that I like tried to read, but was really difficult to understand. And having an opportunity to talk to her about all of the amazing things that they've done to holistic, like they take complexity on to a whole nother level. What you're talking about, Melanie, earlier is just like, what does it take to get people healthier? Oh, it can take a boardwalk. Oh, it can take healthcare. It can take all of these things that are a part of this neighborhood program and it's, it's federally funded neighborhood program that's executed by local, um, you know, state agencies and organizations. Like I walked away from that episode and that that's like one of the coolest things about doing this uh, podcast, I think is having the opportunity to walk away. I mean, I think it's so rare that, I don't know, you just like walk away from a conversation and, and it does happen a lot on this podcast. I will say a lot after a lot of our interviews, like walking away feels feeling so hopeful, feeling so inspired, and just feeling like in awe. Like I can't believe, like that people, you know, were doing this. I can't believe people. How do people think this way? Um, well, you know? I mean, I think they think that way because I mean they're willing to talk and learn from yeah. the people who are living in those areas. I mean, that's something we preach all the time, and I think choice neighborhoods is like 
the perfect embodiment of what it really looks like to hear from people who are living a day-to-day in these environments and observing what makes their life harder, what makes it harder to be healthy and to be happy and, and, and just literally taking the lead from them. I mean, it seems like it's a very simple thing <laughs> that it's like, why is this not at the forefront of, you know, all of our, our policy initiatives and stuff. But um, yeah, I, I, I think Choice Neighborhoods does a great job of that, to your point. I mean, I was just, yeah, it, it complex to manage so much funding, so much diversity of interventions based on the, based, truly based on the community needs. I mean, I was, yeah, I was mind blown. I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to, to interview her as well as um, obviously all of our other guests as well. Um, yeah, that was just like, if you guys haven't listened to that episode, please go listen to it. Um, you'll definitely be just as shocked as we were. To wrap us up, Erin, I'll ask you one more question. So if you could swap roles with a guest for a day, um, who would it be and why? And what would you want to learn or experience from their perspective? Wow. (laughs) Um, It's a lot of guests to choose from. There's so many guests to choose from. Oh, my gosh. Um. Oh, geez, that's such a hard answer. I think, honestly, all of them, every single one of the guests on this season, I would love to switch roles with. Um, I Can I choose two, Melanie? Sure, <laughs> there's be, no rules here. Free. There's no rules. So I think if I had to, I, I think I would have to choose two. I think that I would definitely choose um, Kylie and Hashim. I... I just would love to be able to experience what it looks like to view communities so complexly and have action-oriented steps to make long-lasting change and then um, kind of manage a program like that. I think that'd be really cool. And then the other person is is uh, Dr. Francis Collins, I think. I think you know, we talk all the time about being interdisciplinary and what that looks like. And I think, you know, Every single person that we talk to is a good embodiment of that. And I think the number of environments that he's been in, the number of different positions that he's held, um, and the number of issues that he has to kind of be aware of and um, make decisions about when it comes to the NIH, right? When it comes to his work with the White House, when it comes to all of his efforts with all of us, all of these different initiatives that he's worked on. I would love to be able to have the experience of starting something in the research space. So, oh, we see this problem in public health. We know there's research out there about it. And then making that research into tangible policy change. And I could only dream of doing that at the nation level, right? At the national level. Um, And so I think it'd be so cool to be able to kind of see what that experience is like firsthand and like be the person who was doing some of that work. So, those are my answers. What? What? Who would you? Good answers. Who would you choose, Melanie. Um. I mean, I think there's so many people. I know, and I'm we just really thinking of the list in my head. <laughs> I mean, there's multiple. To your point, I think there's like if I could trade places with any of these guests for a day, I would. I would love to because they're all doing impactful work on whatever level that they operate on. But I think I'm most fascinated 
um, by Peggy Shepard, perhaps just because um, when she started doing this environmental justice work, it's something that wasn't really it wasn't really done. It wasn't really paid attention to in particular yeah, in Dr. Bullard too. black co- communities. Yeah, Dr. Bullard as well. Um, so I just think that it's awesome that, you know, she's a leader and a visionary in that sense that she was able to identify these, you know, environmental issues and mobilize her community um, around her to do something about it. Uh, And that's how she started as someone within a community who had an issue with what was going on and wanted to find a solution to it. And I think, and then she was able to um, build it into what, um, um, and into what we act is now, which is just amazing to me that there's, um, you know, locations across the country that are, are doing the same sort of work. Um, So I I would just love to be able to experience what it's like to, to like take the initial steps when there's really no direction or no support um, and be able to, you know, gather the evidence, gather the, the, you know, gather the support and have people understand that this is an issue that needs uh, issues that need to be addressed um, and to do something about it. I, yeah, I mean, I think We Act is just really a, a really cool organization, and the fact that it's still going strong today speaks volumes, and that people are taking lead on that. Um, and then also just the way in which she's able to, she was able to also forge these really strong political connections as well, um, and and like looking for that political moment. I think those are all really important skills. Like perhaps she's not necessarily. Um, the one at the forefront of making legislation. But I mean, knowing those who do and then being able to supply them the right information and experiences to make informed legislation, I think is invaluable. Um, Personally, I think I'd have a lot more fun on the grounds working and talking to people and hearing from their experiences. So it's an inspiration to me um, what she's been able to do in her lifetime of work. So I would love, I mean, I would really love to follow any of the guests. Yes, truly. Day and, um, <laughs> any, but, yeah. They're so fulfilled. Like the, yeah, I, I think like having the opportunity to make such a positive impact on the world around you, whether that's, no matter what level that's at, is honestly like such a, such a privilege. And it's a privilege that every single one of the guests that we've interviewed on this podcast have had the ability to do. So yeah, I think well, that's all of a them. Really cool thing. Yeah, I mean, to your point, I think that's a really cool thing about what we get to do. I mean, we're like in the presence of people who, like, such noble people. Like, they're taking on these massive causes for the good of, you know, everyone outside of themselves. Which I think is everybody's dream is like to do something that will change the world or make an impact. And like every person we talk to is making an impact whether it's at a local level or the federal level or what may whatever it may be but um it's just really cool to see people who are so passionate about a cause and you know they're and may not fully know how like in the beginning all of our guests you know it usually starts with like you know they're not fully sure what they're doing or where this is going but makes me feel better (laughs) yeah it's inspirational to hear um and yeah, so I mean, I, I'm in awe of all of our guests. They put their passion into action. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> which is what we're about. So 
Yeah, well, I mean, it was a really fun season. I I did really enjoy just getting to learn from these amazing people. Um, no less amazing, no less or more amazing than the other people we've talked to in previous seasons. But again, just because I think the political determinants of health are so vast and require expertise on so many different levels for so many different um you know, to accomplish so many different tasks, I guess I, I'm just I'm partic- particularly in awe of, you know, all of the people we've been able to talk to. And and yet how similar or like how well integrated all of the things they do are. Um, so it's been really cool to see all the different parts of what functions to be political determinants of health come together um, through our guests. And I got to talk to them with you, Melanie. The best part of all... <laughs> was having the opportunity to learn yeah. and, um, you know, inter- interview and talk to these, have conversations with you and all these other people. So for, for our listeners, like it, the one, I mean, it's great to do this together, but on top of that, like the ability, the shared experience of like talking to someone and being so excited and so in- amazed by what they did that you can like, after you, you know, after we finish like a, conversation Melanie and I can kind of talk amongst ourselves and be in like equal amounts of like awe and just like I can't believe that that just happened like I can't believe that we just had the opportunity to speak to them and now everyone else gets to listen to it now yeah. is is really it's a it's a privilege Melanie I am so grateful yeah I couldn't have done this without you either I mean to be like I mean which other partner <laughs> could I ask for who could manage to help us get guests like um literally like the NAACP representing on our podcast the father of environmental justice like the <laughs> the founding person of this field on our podcast um it wouldn't be possible with anybody else but Aaron Lutka, so. and our combined effort <laughs> yes of course so with that, we thank all of you for listening and sticking along with us on this long but very inspiring and informational season. We really do hope that you enjoyed and learned a lot from it. And if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to all of the episodes, they're still there. They'll always so be there. Anytime. Please, they'll always be there. Yeah. Day, night, whenever. Um, if you want to learn more about the political determinants of health and how they impact you and those around you, it's really important stuff to be informed about. So you can never go wrong with listening in whenever you feel like. So thank you all again for joining us for another episode, the final episode of the political determinants of health season of the Healthy Neighborhoods, Healthy Nation podcast. So if you enjoyed today's episode, hearing Aaron and I's thoughts on this previous season, we would really appreciate it if you could give our podcast a five-star review and go follow us on Instagram at HNHN underscore podcast. And you can also check out our YouTube channel for the video recording of our conversations. So please join us next time to, well, hear what our next season will be about. But also, we have a special, before they hear what our next season's about, we have a special surprise next week. Yes, so we have two surprises. Yes. So stay tuned to learn what these two surprises are and, of course, to explore how healthy neighborhoods are the foundation to a healthy nation. 